Well, I want to share a, a message this morning, and not this morning, tonight, sorry, and really invite us into a journey that God has had me on, uh, I would say, almost the last nine months. And I believe that God raises up prophetic voices in the earth to help us to understand the times and seasons in which we're living. One of the number one roles of prophets that have been sent to the body of Christ is to help us to understand what time is it. And when I speak of what time is it, I'm not talking about a chronos, a chronological time. I'm talking about what Scripture say is a kairos. It's a now season, and so I want to share with you what I believe God is saying to the body of Christ. I'm going to share several encounters that the Lord has given me, and I realize that I'm going to stretch some of you, and so I'm going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to expand our hearts to receive all that the Spirit of God would want to say to us. Amen. So look at your neighbor and say, what time is it? I'm going to believe that by the time we leave here tonight, we have a very clear prophetic picture of what time it is in the earth and how you and I can respond in an appropriate manner. Amen. And man, how many of you, I'm so glad that there's more than me and my little family. I'm so glad that there's more than me and my little church. I thank God that there's an eternal storyline that's unfolding in the days that we're living in. And we have an opportunity tonight to peer into another dimension and realm that's being made manifest in the earth. So grateful for Kim last night prophesying to us we've got to come up here not just because I'm short and I need to grow but come up here into another dimension and realm fix your eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen amen so the prophetic it comes as the eyes of the body it helps us to see and to hear what is the spirit of god saying to the church right now so grab the hand of the person next to you if you're sick don't touch them and just apply some you know wash or whatever you got Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that every person here is not here by mistake or coincidence. Lord, you have assembled your ecclesia. And I ask tonight, Lord, as we're gathered, that we would hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. And that as we leave this place, we would run with it as ambassadors. Lord, we thank you for the online community, those who are watching from around the world. Lord, we ask that your word would run swiftly, that it would accomplish every desire that you have sent for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, if you have in your Bibles, would you turn to Ezekiel chapter 44? Ezekiel chapter 44. I'm going to start out tonight by sharing an encounter that I had December 29th of last year. 
I was up at Morning Star Ministries uh, with Rick Joyner, uh, Carol and John Arnott, a lot of leaders in the body of Christ for an end of the year. What is God saying? How many of you like end of the year prophetic conferences? I love to minister in December and January because I just love sharing what God is saying. Well, I had brought something that the Lord had given me, but on December 29th last year, I had a visitation where two angels had come and visited me. Now, if you follow my ministry, you know I have not talked a whole lot about angels, the angelic realm. I understand for a lot of people they would like the supernatural, not the spookanatural. I do consider myself as one that wants to be radically Jesus-centered. I don't like when manifestations or angels or the different things that can happen in the spirit realm when they become a distraction from the person of Christ. But I did have two angels that came and visited me in a dream December 29th of of last year. One of the angels was a cleansing angel. He had fiery blue eyes and in his hands was a broomstick. Can you say broomstick? So I had a dream last year, December 29th, an end-of-the-year prophetic conference. What is God saying in 2019? I had a dream, in the dream, a fiery angel with blue eyes and a broomstick came to me in a dream which I understood as a cleansing angel. The other angel was an angel of glory clothed in white garments. They were both more beautiful than I have human words for. Now the first angel told me when he visited me that the visitation of the second angel was totally dependent upon the visitation and the reception of the first When I asked what that meant, this is what he said. God will not fill his house with his glory until his house receives the the purification and the cleansing that he desires to bring. So we have a cleansing angel and we have an angel of glory. And what the Lord is saying to me in this dream is, I cannot bring the glory that so many want to see in my house without first receiving the cleansing and the purification that I desire to bring. The angel continued, Too many are chasing the glory and they will never see it. For the lack of demonstration in the church is a direct result of the lack of consecration. Where is the power? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? God is saying to the church, they can only come to a people who first receive the purification and the cleansing that God so desires to bring to His church. Watch in 2019, the angel said, As many cry out for glory and never see it, 
because they refused to consecrate themselves unto the Holy One of Israel. However, also watch for the remnant who will consecrate and seek the face of God like never before. When and where the visitation of the cleansing is received, it is the sign to you that the glory will come. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Read Ezekiel 44, and then I woke up. Who's tracking with me? I know we just shifted into another realm. It takes a spirit of revelation to receive revelation. As messengers, we just don't pray to operate in a spirit of revelation. We better hope and pray the people are operating in a spirit of revelation. We are talking about spiritual language. We are talking about dimensions in the Spirit. Can you and I get caught up a little higher tonight into the throne room and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church? There is a glory. Isaiah prophesied. Well, brother, where is this in the Scriptures? Isaiah 60, he prophesies that gross darkness is going to cover the earth, but the call to the church is to arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shall rest upon you. Several years ago, I was on Sid Roth It's Supernatural, and the question was posed to me, Jeremiah prophetically, is great glory coming to the church or is great crisis? Is great light coming to the church or is great darkness? And I'll never forget when I said both, the crowd went, Because I'm just going to tell you that as an end-time church, as God raises up end-time messengers, the Scripture has dropped a plumb line. They are both coming. So I want to encourage you, cry out for greater glory. Cry out for a third great awakening in America that will turn cities and regions upside down. Believe God for the impossible. Things that our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard, our minds haven't conceived. Let's go after those things. However, though, let's not miss out on the time of preparation, the season of cleansing and purification that God is releasing in the earth, God said, I will pour out my spirit. So I'm convinced we shouldn't be wasting a lot of time telling God to pour out his spirit. I believe we should just be getting ready. 
Are we preparing? Are we consecrating ourselves? Do we really believe that there's a glory that's coming to the church where when the real glory comes, people are either going to hit the door or they're going to hit the floor? The glory that I speak of is not get out your camera and Facebook live it. The glory that I speak of, it's an all-consuming fire. It's a cleansing fire. It separates the wheat from the tares, the holy from the profane, the precious from the vile. When the real glory comes, our junk gets exposed. When the real glory comes and that promotion that you're longing for, if you don't deal with your junk, that very spotlight that you crave is the very spotlight that will expose your skeletons in the closet. As the Lord said to me in the Garden of Gethsemane several years ago when we visited Jeremiah, if you do not crucify your flesh in private, your flesh will crucify you in public. We are beginning to see the body of Christ rocked, shaken to the core. We have not seen anything yet. We are about to see the exposing, the cleansing, the purification of the body of Christ, especially the leadership on a global level. I, as a prophetic messenger, I don't want you to be caught off guard. I don't want you to be um, uh, surprised. I don't want you to, quote, turn on the church. We are living in days where in order for God to prepare us for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there must be a purification and there must be a cleansing that comes. But brother, I thought judgment wasn't for today. I thought that's old covenant stuff. I thought that we just live in a season of grace and mercy and all the prophetic stuff has to be encouraging and make me feel good. I want to tell you that God is raising up a generation that's going to carry the spirit of David who in Psalm 119.75 he says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous. Beware of men and movements in the earth that are operating in an end-time delusion who are convincing the church that the judgments of God are cruel. Beware of an end-time delusion in the church that is trying to get the saints to believe that the judgments of the Lord are cruel and unjust. 
God is going to raise up an end time army in the earth who are going to rise and say, Lord, your judgments in the earth, they are righteous and they are true. God, we want the more. We want revival. We want glory. But if it requires a crucifixion, if it requires an exposure, if you have to come with a sword in order to help us to discern. Saints, we need discernment in the earth today. Marketing and advertising has effectively robbed a generation on social media from being able to discern what is true and what is false. We are so confused about determining what is fruit and what is not. We have a spirit of perversion that's running rampant where now we are calling good evil and evil good. And I prophesy to you that as God comes and cleanses and restores the priesthood, He is going to raise up righteous voices in the earth and the body of Christ who are going to teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane, the good and the evil. Is anybody awake tonight? In every generation, there is cultural deception. In every generation, that is perpetrating the culture. And it is the job of the ecclesia to rise up in the face of deception and rebuke the prevailing spirit of the age. The church is called to be a fortress. We're called to be on the offensive. We don't back up. We take territory. I'm not trying to fit in. I was born to stand out. That the church would become a place again where the sons and daughters... The young and old would be taught what is good and what is evil. That there would be no more mixture. That there would be no compromise. That there would be no confusion. Is there not a standard in the land? I had a lot of people rebuking me for taking a stand concerning Todd Bentley and Morningstar Ministries. A lot of well-known leaders in the body of Christ that emailed me. And they said, son, this is what we do in our generation. When someone is caught in sin, you back up slowly and you disconnect in secret. And I responded very quickly, and this is what has aided mass deception in our generation. You have sons and daughters, babes in Christ, 
that are looking to mature men and women to help us discern what is good and what is evil, what is holy and what is profane. And for some reason, there's a spirit of Eli that is sitting upon many church leaders in this nation, especially the fathers. And I believe I'm here to prophesy to you by the word of the Lord that there is a generation of Deborahs that are about to rise in the earth. I'm, talk, I'm prophesying now. There is a generation of mothering women in the church who are going to restore the priesthood. They are going to rise because many of the fathers have been silent and they will speak with clarity. They will speak with precision. They will release a refreshing to the body of Christ. There is going to be a Hannah anointing that will rest upon them. And they will give birth to the generation of Samuel prophets, pure prophetic voices that will challenge the existing religious structures and bring reformation in the land. If you're awake tonight, shout amen. You're not shouting amen for me. We're coming into agreement of, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in my generation? Lord, let me get caught up a little higher into the throne room. Lord, I don't want to miss out on what you're speaking. I just wonder sometimes, do we know what we're asking for? We used to get scared when they'd sing that song, Show Me Your Glory. Like, wow. You know, John the Beloved, the guy who rested at the breasts of Jesus, I mean, he sees Jesus resurrected and he falls down like a dead man. I love friendship with God. I love intimacy. But saints, there's no one like our God. Holy means totally other than. I'm, I'm totally in agreement. I'm hungry. I'm desiring. I truly want the more of the Lord. But God is saying to the church, if you want the glory, you have to first embrace the cleansing, the purification, the exposing. So the Lord told me in the dream, read Ezekiel 44. And so I began to read Ezekiel 44, and there was a realm of revelation. I've read this passage several times, but there was a realm of revelation that the Lord began to give to me that I want to share a little bit tonight. Let's begin reading in Ezekiel 44, verse 6. Real seeker-friendly passages here. And you shall say to the rebellious ones, to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Enough with all your abominations, O house of Israel. When you brought in foreigners uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh to be in my sanctuary to profane it, Even my house, 
when you offered my food, the fat and the blood, for they made my covenant void. This is in addition to all your abominations. So the prophet Ezekiel steps onto the stage and begins to address the religious figures of his day. And he says, what you're doing has become an abomination to the Lord. And the source of the abomination is this. You as the priesthood have failed to pay a price. You have been unwilling to get into the secret place and learn what it means to be holy. And so rather than pay a price, you have caused the house of God to become a trading floor like a stock market, and you have begun to trade the true anointing, the Levitical priesthood that sought to minister to the Lord, they said rather than minister to the Lord, we'll take some gifting and talent. Rather than have prayer, let's just have programs. Rather than seek the face of God with rawness and realness, we're going to go get some musicians who are professionals. It's interesting here in verse 7, foreigners uncircumcised in heart, it can also mean corrupt in nature. In large portions of the church, we have traded fresh intimacy with the Lord. We have traded paying a price. The word ecclesia, it in some ways means a group of called out ones. Do you know that the goal of the church is not to save souls? Quiet in here. The goal of the church is to make disciples. The church was never meant to become a subculture for the world. The goal was never to make this environment so comfortable for people that now God is not comfortable. So they said, let's get a bunch of foreigners, uncircumcised, corrupt in nature. We, just, we don't need any more women and men of God that have been torched in the fires of revival, that have been called so that when times get rough, they're not going to go back. We don't need them anymore. We'll just take professional politicians. We'll take good oratory. We'll have leadership classes where we can teach you how to grow a church, but we can't teach you how to grow a prayer life. Certain churches that I'm around, it's no longer required to be saved to play in the band. I mean, why do you need to be saved if the guy's a really talented guitar player? 
Because the goal on Sunday is entertainment, right? To put on a good show. To put on a good performance. As, as long as people are entertained, we, we want the best looking face, the most rehearsed guy up there behind the pulpit. We have invited the foreigners and the uncircumcised in heart, the corrupt in nature, and God is saying to portions of the church, this is an abomination before me. A church right down the road here was offering a job several years ago for $45,000 to, in their words, help make the service not be awkward. Anybody want to apply? We'll pay you forty-five dollars a year to quench the Holy Spirit. Just make sure that no one is uncomfortable, everyone's feeling good, again, as if that's the goal of the church. The church was never created to be a subculture of the world. The church was called to establish kingdom culture in the earth. I want to encourage you to ask God to uproot any culture that you have been a part of in the church that's not kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture is focused on the king. And what the king decrees is what you and I do and say in the earth. Amen? Hang with me. Verse 8, and you have not kept charge of my holy things yourselves, but you have set foreigners to keep charge of my sanctuary. In other words, I'm tired of paying the price, so can I delegate it to someone else? Well, I'm a leader in a church, and I know that we're supposed to be praying, so can we just have the head intercessor pray? Can we just delegate secret place time to people in the church so that we don't have to attend? Men, can we just have husbands, a praying wife, and that like just covers us spiritually so I can just enjoy my man cave when really I need to get a prayer cave? Well, my kids are going to Christian school, so that's good. At least I'll let an eight-year-old disciple me because I'm that lazy. I'm telling you, we have delegated, we have passed off, we have said someone else, go ahead and pay the price. And God is looking for a generation, an end time bride in the earth who are willing to persevere, they're willing to endure, they're willing to get up under the weight of glory and say, God, we're believing you for the more and I'm willing to pay any price. Thus says the Lord God, verse 9, no foreigner uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh of all the foreigners who are among the sons of Israel shall enter my sanctuary. I want to focus in here on verse 10 and 11. But the Levites 
who went far from me. Now most of us know the tribes of Israel. Each tribe was assigned a portion of land as an inheritance. All of them were assigned a portion of land except the Levites. The Levites, their inheritance was God Himself. But the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who went astray from me after their idols, shall bear the punishment for their iniquity. Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slaughter the burnt offerings and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. What you just read in verse 11 is judgment on the house of God. There is a realm of revelation here that we're about to step into that I don't want you to miss. The Lord says that there is abomination going on in His house. There is more of a craving for gifted and talent and world systems compared to doing it God's way. And then God talks about the Levites, the leaders, the Levitical priesthood. And He says over them, they can still minister in My house. But listen to the wording here. It's very interesting. And they shall stand before them to minister to them. Many people settle for an Ishmael without ever realizing that God blessed Ishmael. God blessed Ishmael. God will bless something that's not His best in your life. Whoa. Ishmael had God's blessing, but only Isaac had his covenant. You remember Romans 1, where it talks about the depravity of humanity. It says this, He gave them over to the lusts of their flesh. In other words, God says, if that's how you want it, go ahead. God says, there is abomination going on in my house. And in the Levites, I will allow them to minister to one another. The title of the message tonight is called Judgment on the House of God. I believe that there is cleansing judgment on God's house and we don't even know it. I believe that many people are looking for some type of Ananias and Sapphira encounter. We will believe that judgment has come on God's house when the TV preacher falls down dead. 
when his wife turns into a pillar of salt. When the prosperity gospel guy on the telethon has a heart attack and keels over. That's the judgment of God. I told you. I told you we were getting off. I told you they lost the prayer. I told you they've made it all about them. Saints, I'm prophetically sounding an alarm. We are looking for the judgment of God in all the wrong places. I'm going to tell you emphatically the judgment of God is resting upon portions of the church and how you'll know it is this. There's only horizontal ministry going on. So let's rehearse it. So we can prophesy, we can lay hands, we can preach, we can do church function. You know what the scary thing is here? We're describing a way higher percentage of the church than we could ever dream of. Go ahead. Have your services. Go ahead, have your little fall down in the altar. Go ahead, have your good preaching. Just focus on one another. All I want you to do is have a little community and a little family and a little fun. And we'll just hear a little of this and a little of that. A little fog machine here, a little light show here. And we don't even recognize it's his judgment on his house. Verse 13, and they shall not come near me to serve as a priest to me, nor come near to any of my holy things, to the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to keep charge of the house and all of its service. God is appointing the Levites to take care of his house, but it's his judgment. His judgment is, I can only allow you to run the house of God and minister to one another. But let's track verse 15. But, can you say but? But the Levitical priests... The sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went from me, shall come near me to minister to me. I want to compare them. The Levites, and they shall stand before them to minister to them. But... There were the sons of Zadok. They shall come near to the Lord and they shall minister to the Lord. And they shall stand before me 
to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord, and they shall enter my sanctuary, that they shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep charge. There is ministry to the God of the house, and then there is ministry to the house of God. Anytime ministry to the house of God, the people, becomes more important than ministry to the God of the house, we are living in idolatry. When we create church cultures where man is at the center, we have erected a spirit of Baal in our generation where people are being taught a self-help gospel where they believe that they are at the center of the world and Jesus, you better order your schedule around me rather than ordering our schedule around Him. So I'm hearing last night Kim prophetically say, she's talking about 2020, she's talking about a throne room. What is she saying? She's saying to us, God is calling on His church in this hour, saying, I'm about to shift you out of a dimension called church where you come to get fed and you come to do this and that. I'm about to shift you out of that realm into a realm called the throne room where there's going to begin to be sounds and lightnings and thunders where we begin to get caught up in a heavenly vision is anybody awake there is a church there is an end time bride that will not make sense to the systems of this world. And I don't know about you, but I'm not taking my cues from a church growth textbook. I'm taking my cues from heaven. I believe we are about to see one of the greatest collisions in the church we've ever known. I believe there is a coming tension. The way the Lord said it to me is there's a coming civil war. Many of you might have read my new book that came out called The Power of Consecration, a prophetic word to the church. In the book, I write a chapter called The Consecrated Bride. I asked God for a vision of what would an end-time bride look like prior to the return of the bridegroom. I turned in the manuscript to the publisher. That night I had a dream. In the dream I see the table of contents and there's a chapter in the book that I hadn't written. I email the publisher and say, wait a minute, I forgot a chapter. They said, what do you mean? We've given you six months to write the book. I said, I had a dream last night, and I'm telling you there's one more chapter I have to write. In the dream, I saw 
the chapter I had written, The Consecrated Bride, but the next chapter was called The Harlot Bride. The Lord said to me in the earth, prior to the return of Jesus Christ, there will be two dueling brides that will rise in the earth. There will be a bride, the consecrated bride. How you will know it's her is that she will marry herself to the man of war. Do you know the man of war? Well, brother, I thought that judgment stuff was old covenant. Isn't it amazing in 1 Peter 4, 17, Peter says, it is time. It is time for judgment to come on the house of God. But as I said earlier, Psalm 119, 75, we have to recapture and reclaim judgment in our generation. We have to be able to discern and proclaim that the judgments of God are righteous and true. God is innocent. It's amazing in Revelation 19, the very first act of the bride... The corporate saints of old, all the people we want to hang out with, John and Peter and Paul, all the cool Bible characters, all your family members that went and died and and they're in heaven. We all gather together and here's the very first act of the bride. Hallelujah! There's this eruption of praise and worship. But do we know what they're shouting hallelujah about? Righteous and true are your judgments, O God. For you have judged the harlot Babylon for the martyrdom of the saints. And we go wild! Like I know, it's, I'm, a, I'm a spoiler tonight. When I get to heaven, I just can't wait to talk to my granny 68 hours. I just can't wait to, saints, I'm talking about a beautiful, incredible, the the Lamb of God, our great and glorious bridegroom king. I'm waiting right now for the songs to be sang in the earth about this man of war. And you can feel the tension right now. And the Lord said, the harlot bride, how you will know it's her is she will marry herself to the world. She will look like and she will talk like and you will walk in there and not know the difference between her and a club. 
You'll walk in there and you won't know the difference between a sporting, entertaining event and a church service. Going to be lots of ministry to the people. Lots of emphasis on the people. Lots of caring for the people. Lots of making sure the people are comfortable and relaxed. But the consecrated bride that's going to marry herself to the man of war, the focus, the energy, the passion, I can't wait. The worship, Chris, is actually going to be vertical. Is there not sons of Zadok in the earth? Chris, I wrote this down for you. Because I believe that you are a son of Zadok in the earth. That what we have been experiencing here just a little bit this weekend is another realm and dimension that God is about to open up in the worship realm. Numbers 18.7 But only you and your sons, the sons of Zadok, shall attend to your priesthood. For everything concerning the altar and what's inside the veil, you will perform. Chris, everything concerning the altar and what's inside the veil is going to be your mission in the days ahead. Oh, come on. I'm just like, yes! Lord, give us some worship where where the whole emphasis is not about me and my and what kind of bad day I had. Lord, give me some worship where the the whole focus is, I got to get down in that altar. I got to rend my heart before the Lord. I just got to touch heaven. I want to break through the earthly realm and get into the throne room of God. I want to be concerned about what goes on inside the veil. The alluring, the wooing, the lovesickness. You ever watch somebody give somebody else a sloppy, wet kiss? This is, this is the vision I have of end-time worship. It's like people are going to be so wildly in love, lovesick, that people of the world are going to walk in and say, My God, what are they doing? They're in this romance. They're in this embrace. They have found the lover of their souls. They have tasted a wine that is better than the wine of this world. And they are not ashamed. They are exuberant. There's a spirit of praise upon them. Is anybody awake tonight? Lord, I want to minister to you. Now, the boy Samuel. I'll tell you a real scary story, Pastor Paul. I preached at a mega church two years ago. 
they brought me in to evaluate their services. I don't know why. There was five on that Sunday. I met with their leadership team afterward. They said, what did you think? I said, I don't think you missed a note. I said, on a scale of excellence, I mean, you get triple E. I said, in a realm of anointing, I felt nothing. I said, I believe you touched every person in the crowd at the expense of touching heaven. The worship leader, I mean, he was ticked. I mean, you know me, I said, brother, how much do you get paid a year? He said, 120 grand. I said, so you get paid 120, just follow me. It's all right, the Lord's breaking a spirit of poverty off some of you. Hang with me. I said, do you know what it means to minister to the Lord? He looked at me, God's my witness. He said, I've never heard of that. We, we just assume. God's the center, He's the focus, and saints, let the Holy Spirit get you, because while you're condemning this brother, how's your life look? Are you ministering to the Lord? Are your knees hitting the floor when you wake up? I've never heard of ministering to the Lord. Now, the boy Samuel, he was found ministering to the Lord. God is about to cleanse the priesthood in the church again. There is a cleansing judgment that we are going to witness fall upon the church, and there is going to be a separation and exposing of a harlot bride and in the midst of it, there's going to be a glorious, consecrated bride who has made it her joy and her delight to minister to the man of war. I'm not here to talk about it. I'm touching on the worship realm. I'm going to tell you, as the Lord began to reveal to me, I haven't even shared it publicly, this is going to shift the way we pray. As we begin to minister to the man of war, there's a Psalm 2, Psalm 110 reality coming to the church where we will begin to pray kingly judicial prayers. This is not intercessory. Oh Lord, this is making decrees. Let all of the earth bow underneath the footstool of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the kind of praying where we don't pray that God saves them. We pray that God removes them. There is a kingly judicial prayer realm we're about to step into. There is a worship realm. There is a sons of Zadok. There is a love sickness. There is a focus on in the veil. There is a, we've got to get the saints back to the altars. 
our churches, our ministries, rather than getting people to try to fill out a visitor card, we've got to get them down to the altar where the power of the Holy Spirit can bring transformation. I'm asking you to wrestle with me tonight. I'm asking you to get into some of this divine tension and say, Lord, I want to be right where you want me. But brother, I attend a church and I'm close to the pastor. I mean, you're right. I mean, God's not moving there. I mean, it's probably true God wrote Ichabod on the doors years ago. Do you know how many people in America make excuses for why they're attending a harlot church? Quiet in here. Well, I mean, I'm just believing. I've been sent as an intercessor. Hear the word of the Lord. Know your loyalty to man has become an abomination before the Lord. Your loyalty to man. Here's the word of the Lord to you. Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? There is a prophetic intercessory remnant in America that are trapped in harlot churches. They are there thinking that they're contending for a move of God when they are going to get swept away in end time deception. I had a young man ask me the other day like, out of, out of state, what, where do you, like, what do you look for in a church? How, how would you advise someone to try to attend this harlot church or this consecrated church? I said, find out a church that no one likes. His eyes popped out of his head. He said, oh, I, I thought I was supposed to find a church that everyone likes. I know. So I said, find a church where they're talking about it. I said, find a church where they say the church services are too long. Find a church where they say the preaching is too hard. Find a church where they say the worship, you know what's wrong with them is they just, they don't sing words on a screen. Find, find a church where the, the greeting team stinks. They're not there to greet you at the door because they're locked in the prayer room and they've fallen out under the glory of God. I mean, I just need to talk to pastor. I mean, my kitty cat is stuck in the tree now. Grandma's in the hospital for the eighth time. Listen. In the consecrated bride, you're not going to be able to find the priesthood. Telling you this American model of church where we are sticking our feeding tube into a pulpit is over. You don't need to call the pastor to pray for the sick because it's your turn. You, you, you don't need another counseling session. You need to get in the prayer room and work it out. 
This, I, 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 where can I get fed? Where did that come from? I don't go to church to get fed. The, the fire burns hottest in my prayer closet. So I begin to ask the Lord. Let's just finish it up here. Verse 23, Ezekiel 44, 23. Moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Saints, I'm telling you, as God begins to restore the priesthood, we're not going to have politicians anymore. We're going to have prophets. We're not going to have performers on a stage anymore. We're going to have the sons of Zadok. They're going to start worshiping on a Sunday, and the goal is not to entertain you. They're going to shoot up into the throne room, and if you can get in, get in. We're not going to gather as a team and say, what do the people want to hear today? We're going to get into the courtroom of heaven and say, Father, what is the word of the Lord to your people? And we're willing to pay any price to execute it. God, raise up a church with a backbone. Why won't we call a spade a spade? Why won't we call evil evil? Why won't we lift our voices in a culture that's being polluted? Why won't we? Because we fear man more than we fear God. We're not just talking about the church. When is a generation of parents going to stop letting their eight-year-old run their home? Hello. When are we going to win the fight at home? When is some righteous indignation going to come upon parents where we start smashing the TVs because that junk isn't going to come into my home? If we don't teach our children right from wrong, the world will. So I began to cry out to the Lord. Say, Father, who then could escape your coming judgment? And I was drawn to the book of John. Where it says that at, toward the end of Jesus, his ministry, he himself Cleanse the temple. And then in the other Gospels, they say that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, He cleansed the temple. Now there's some debate, but I believe we can categorically say that Jesus Christ cleansed the temple twice in His lifetime. If you read through the Gospels, he doesn't really do a whole lot of things twice. 
If the son of man, you might be sitting here that this guy is a looney tune. Cleansing the temple and harlot bride. And if it was the same in Jesus' day, how much more in our day? But Jesus comes and he cleanses the temple twice and he cleanses the temple surrounding this one issue. Prayer. He cleanses the temple surrounding this one issue. Prayer. My house shall become a house of prayer. The Lord said to me, the only way to escape the coming judgment is to build my house of prayer. Saints, for me, this is very definite. This is very authoritative. I'm, I'm listening to Kim last night, and she's talking about throne room, and, and God love her, and God bless her. She's, she's being nice, and she's inviting and saying, come up here. And I'm sitting over there as a prophet of the Lord just thinking, there's no other option. I mean, we can try to couch this thing as if you want to and if you feel like it. This is a mandate. This is a mission. This is the word of the Lord. But I, I've got a question for Heart of the Father ministry. Is this a church of prayer? I've got a question for those of us New Covenant. We are the temple. Are you a house of prayer? See, there's this weighty, heavy, I'm going to join you at the altar tonight. <laughs> I'm going to say, oh God. My life, my vision, my focus has become man-centered. And I didn't make some serious adjustments and shifts and transitions to get you as the number one priority in my life. God, I've got to do it. But if the Lord would be speaking to ministers, if He might be speaking to Heart of the Father ministry, saying, did I not call this house to be a house of prayer? Leonard Ravenhills, he said it best, right? You can find out how popular a church is by the Sunday morning attendance. You can find out how popular the preacher is by the conference. But then you find out how popular God is at the prayer meeting. And the problem is no one's at the prayer meeting. We have an opportunity. We have a privilege tonight. We have a sacred trust. Peter said, you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen race. 
Jesus Christ has come and torn the veil and gave us unlimited, unhindered access into the most holy place. And whether God would want to be making room for Himself in you tonight, or whether He would be wanting to make room for Himself at Heart of the Father ministry, I believe that there is great glory and revival that has been promised to you and this church and this nation, but it will never come without purification and cleansing. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord but they with clean hands and a pure heart? I lift my eyes to the hills. I see all the idolatry and all the compromise and all the invitations to just settle and find comfort in this world. And then I remind myself, my help comes from the living God. Chris, will you come? I want you to bow your heads with me tonight. If you have a prayer language and you already feel you need to begin to pray, go ahead. I believe that there's a witness from the Holy Ghost in the house tonight. And all we're doing is letting Him pray through us. Come on, let's just take some time on this Friday night. We're coming before Him on a personal level. Coming before Him on a family and marriage level. We're coming before Him as a corporate body. Come on, I feel some of you, you need to shake yourself out of a slumber. We just decree over this place, awake, O sleepers, awake. There's a call to intercession. There's a spirit of prayer that you have been fighting There's a realm of travail and birthing. Some of you are frustrated that that breakthrough hasn't come. That that answered prayer hasn't manifested. And the Lord says, I invite you tonight to become a house of prayer. If you need to get down to this altar, just come. God is about to open up a realm of birthing in the Spirit. We say, let the Samuels come forth. Let the Hannahs come forth.
If you're a mama in this room, and when I said that earlier, something rose up in you, get down here. There's musicians and singers in this room with the sons of Zadok anointing to minister to the Lord. Come on, come on, give me 30 seconds of lifting up your voice. God, we ask that you would release the groan in this place. Spirit of prayer, spirit of travail, would you come? 